Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Esoterica. I'm Leah Eichler, and I'm here with Susan Caddo. Hey, Sue. Hi, Leah. How are you? I'm great. So today we have a, an action-packed lineup of things we'd like to discuss. Um, and the first and foremost is, you know, and this comes on the heels of a conversation we had uh, uh, the last week or a couple weeks ago about banned books, you know, and, and we, we, we took some delight in poking fun at the banned books. But I think one of the elements of the banned book conversation that we, we may were, maybe we were remiss in, in covering is that words, uh, books are banned, uh, not, not for us, we don't want to ban books, but language has a dangerous side to it. And language, language can have a dangerous component, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's where hate speech comes in. And uh, we've all seen the ramifications of that. Yes, we have. So there has been a lot of, um, you know, really um, almost, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to call it shocking because it really, nothing should really shock us anymore. But there has been some surprising hate speech this week. Uh, it started off um, about a week ago with, um, well, that's what we're not, we're naturally talking about Kanye or Yi or however he goes by now. Uh, we'll start off with a, uh, a fashion show at Paris Fashion Week where he headlined some t-shirts that said, you know, something very inflammatory on them that were designated as hate speech for saying white lives matter. And, you know, he doubled down on it and insisted it was art, which I don't know. I mean, it struck me as weird. And you have to be very careful, especially as an artist who's as influential as Kanye is as an artist, uh, proclaiming that hate speech is art, right? Yeah, it's a bit like when um, Donald Trump's wife wore the jacket that said, I really don't care, do you? When oh she God. was going to meet like children that had been taken from their parents um, and put in cages. Oh my so goodness, that's, that's exactly awful. right. I, I, you know, thank you for bringing up that analogy because that was, I mean, that, I mean, that couldn't, I think she said that she was mocking the media, but I mean, the truth is it was also very hurtful. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking about people's lives are at stake and here's where, you know, people always say, well, where's freedom of speech and where's that line between freedom of speech and hate speech? Well, you know, that line gets drawn when people are incited to violence and this mm -hmm. is inciting people to violence. This is saying that people's lives don't matter. There's really no other way as an artist. Um, I mean, you have a PhD in, in literature, so you've analyzed a lot of words in your life. I, I mean, there's no really no other way to, uh, there's no way to qualify that as art, correct? Well, I, I think that in this case, it's, I'd love, you can't make a case that this is art. And I think that the vast majority of the kind of sentient world is saying, this is not art. This is, right. you know, this is hostility. And, uh, um, I, I, I think there's there's actually not a ton of defenders. No, of no I don't think there's any defenders. I think the and, issue is yeah. people are wronged, like, you know, and this is, and I hate to say it, but it's quite often when men are wronged, um, they kind of double down and and kind of take you to the next level of being wronged. So, you know, Kanye was, I, I'm sure everyone knows the story already because it's been plastered in the media, but, you know, Kanye took the uh, the backlash that other rappers, other musicians had given him about the t-shirt and somehow invoked this DEFCON 3 of the Jews, which is 
bizarre. Uh, I mean, bizarre to be kind, let's say it's bizarre and just violently anti-Semitic um, to be more accurate. It, it's hard to imagine what he was thinking. Like, well, obviously maybe not thinking, but I think the thing is with, with freedom of speech, no one says you have to be free from the consequences. So in Kanye's case, right. the consequences came, you know, you're kicked off Twitter. Um, you know, people are going to be distancing themselves from you and from your product line. It might cost you financially. Um, so yeah, no one's saying that there should be freedom from consequences either. I mean, this is where I find it interesting because I mean, ever you know, it's almost as if, and remember we saw this with Donald Trump when Donald Trump was, you know, given a, a timeout on Twitter. Mm. Um, you know, is that really a punishment? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if someone tells you, oh, you're not allowed to tweet for a week because you incited your millions of followers to go DEFCON 3 on the Jews. Like, is that really, I mean, does he, I, I just think, you know, I mean, obviously, he's quite perturbed about this. And Elon Musk, uh, who knows what conversation they had about it, because he wants to make the platform, once he acquires it, more, uh, I suppose, friendly for any kind of speech um, mm -hmm. in, in the name of free speech. So I, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I worry, and we can discuss this in a few weeks, I worry that this is going to just blow over. Uh, he will be back on mm -hmm. Twitter. He will make some sort of ramshackle not apology, but maybe uh, acknowledgement. I say he's going to think he's going to say something like, "I spoke to some friends or a rabbi or someone of note, mm. and I am going to try and do better." That is my guess. I could be wrong. Um, meanwhile, there'll be all the people that read what he said and yeah. think of it now as a as a reason that they can say the same or do the same. And you know, it's it's no exaggeration. Like it, it really does happen. I know after Trump was elected and started um, uh, really saying very awful things about a lot of people, the reports of schoolyard bullying and stuff related to that really right. go up. So, and I mean, as anyone, I, I have um, relatives who are devotees of Fox News and I have seen, and before Fox News, it was Rush Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. um, you can't tell me that words don't have any power to change the way people um act in the way they believe because even even when the words are absolutely absurd and stupid which they really seem to be there's people that are going to take them on board and um and repeat them and run with that that's very true okay well maybe you know we've given um Kanye enough air enough air uh but you know we want to touch on it because we, we are in the business of words and words matter right words so, matter words matter yeah. So do, okay, so on a much lighter note, so do vampires. Um, there's been a lot of words, uh, a lot of ink spilled recently about uh, vampires mm -hmm. due to the uh, resurgence of vampires in popular culture through a number of television shows, most notably um, Interview with the Vampire. Interview with um, the Vampire. Why did I always think it was Interview with a Vampire? But it's Interview <laughs> with the Vampire, um, yes. Yes, and then uh, another uh, a television remake of Let the Right One In, which was a fantastic Swedish movie that was also remade in North America. Right. Um, and there's a third show as well, which I don't know if it's come to Canada, but um, uh, apparently it's a bit of a spoofy one. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I, I, I mean, this comes to mind. The thing is everyone involved with Interview with the Vampire talks so much about the novel and how it really is a touchstone for this. 
Um, but it's interesting to me because you'd be like, well, that novel is like 30 years old. Um, but obviously, oh, the other show, by the way, is Reginald the Vampire, and it's a bit of a satire. Oh, wow. um, and I don't know if you've watched another vampire satire, um, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. But so yeah, I vampire. love that. Satire. That's hilarious. I actually love that one. Yes. Um, that is very funny. Yeah, um, vampires are, you know, I don't think vampires have always been very popular. I don't think they've ever really stopped being popular. I, I guess it goes in waves where they, they surge in popularity. I mean, I still love Bram, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like I was actually, I, I, yeah. I, I love the movie. Like, I, I loved it. I love the book. It's really, really good. And you can actually get a audio version. I'm looking at it now because it's on my phone. Uh, that is, and I think it, it has like a great reader. Oh yeah, it's it's read by Alan Cumming. That's what I wanted to say. Like, if you want to experience the uh, book of Dracula, it's it's written by Alan Cumming. There's also a Twitter account that tweets what the, what happens in Dracula um, in a in chronological order, like based on what day it is okay. in the year, what, what was happening in the course of the novel Dracula. So that's a lot of fun. That's also very cool. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, let's talk about why vampires. What, what's, what is it about vampires that, you know, why do people love vampires? If you uh, look at the discourse around interview with a vampire, it's the sexiness. It's right. always comes yeah. back to vampires are really sexy. Um, yeah. And in the case of interview with a vampire, it's people being really intrigued by the sort of the gay sex themes that they mm -hmm. see in the Anne Rice novel and wanting to see those amplified in um, modern, you know, television um, right. renditions of the book. But just always, even if you, if you go back to Dracula, it's, this right. irresistible so vampires, force yeah. of sexuality. Vampires are hot and right. And they yeah. will, you know, and there's no, there, there's no one stopping that passion. And I think that's yeah. the lure is like, there's so much passion that you almost have to succumb to it. And I mean, and of course there is the appeal, the, of the homoerotic aspects of it, which I think there's been some interesting controversy or at least language about uh, the new Anne Rice uh, reboot where uh, they just doubled down on the um, homoeroticism in the book, which mm -hmm. is probably um, the right decision uh, in our day and age. I mean, 30 years ago, maybe it was safer to just talk about it around the mm -hmm. periphery without actually doubling down. But now it's like, yeah, may as well. Um, and the market is there and the audience is there. Um, so, so the eroticism, the, the sexuality, I mean, it's like uh, women love the sexuality as well. I mean, it's not just, uh, you know, an erotic, a homoerotic thing. No, right? but the, the most famous vampires are always men. Like that's all. I'm curious to see what the TV show interview with the vampire, uh, does with the female character, especially because she is like a preteen girl. Correct. Um, can't really ramp up the sexuality on that without coming across fairly badly. So, um, and that's something that's addressed in the book for sure. Uh, the, 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 the character is frustrated to be trapped in the body of a prepubescent girl. Um, you know what? That's, I completely forgot about that. You're yeah. absolutely right. That'll be really interesting to see how that work, how they play that out. Yeah. Everyone should go back and reread Interview with the Vampire and then watch the show, which uh, so far, I found quite gripping. So, I mean, the other aspects I think of of uh, vampire culture that are really appealing to people is that um, so there's a sexuality, and then there's the um, the appeal of uh, this this kind of anti Christianity movement. It's like there is a kind of a code that is outside of faith or traditional monotheistic religions that people find appealing and also dangerous, dangerous and appealing all at the same time. Well, you're first taking, looking at 
immortality. So as soon as you have immortality, you're not, you're, you're upending the whole concept of life after death and living now so that you can have, uh, you know, you know, go to heaven or go to hell or whatever. That's all thrown out because you're immortal. So that's right. a start. I mean, immortality is pretty intriguing as a literary concept as well, yeah. right? Yes. And uh, now what else is there? There's... Um, Everlasting there's... was a book that a lot of kids read when I was young that uh, deals with immortality. I think uh, it's 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 a, a fantastic literary theme. And uh, usually people... It's always presented as something people regret choosing um, or regret having. So Right. I don't know. Would you regret it? Well, I don't know, but then I say this have not having read the Twilight books or really watched yeah. the Twilight series. Um, but the, the thing I love about it is when people are like, So if you had the choice, would you would you be in high school if you were 200, 300 years old? Would you just spend your time in high school? Like, why would you do that? But you know, all the power, all the money, all the good looks in the world, but and you're you're going to high school. Yeah, okay. That maybe that's a stretch. I mean, if you're two hundred but look like you're twenty, would you be in high school? Maybe you'd find other things to do. I mean, that are not high school related, but yeah. And there's the immortality. And then there's the, the I guess there's also the occult, the, the fascination with the occult, which I mean, esoterica is, you know, imagery. We actually tease out the occults too. And, um, you know, we find that very fascinating, right? Yes. And um, go see some stories. And there's stories coming up too uh, around Halloween that are, are going to upend a lot of uh, ideas too. There's some really great um, horror coming your way so that's right we have a we have a good we have some really strong halloween stores coming up that's that's very true so uh stay tuned we have like another 20 days and they will be released so if you have any other halloween stories that you want to pitch us now is the time to do it and now is when people pitch the horror element of those stories um that this is like the peak time just like people pitch christmasy stories around christmas time uh, but yes, this is the time for the occult. So I think now that would be actually a really great time to send us your work. Yes. Um, maybe we should take a little break before we get to the next topic and remind people that our short story contest is still on. Uh, so people can send us their sort of short story submission. Uh, some people don't have a submittable account as they've asked what the guidelines are. We would like you to keep the story uh, around 3,000 words, ideally under. If it's over a little bit, that's still okay, but try and keep it under 3,000 words. Um, we are looking for stories that make us think, uh, stories that we ponder for days. Uh, and we've just, Susan and I have discussed this before, but right, Susan, the stories that have a beginning, middle, and ending are always really, really nice. I, I know we, we, I feel like we say that a lot, but. But beginning, middle, ending, please. And um, I don't know, what else are we looking for? Um, well, it's not part of the short story contest, but big idea pieces are big also something we would pieces. love to see. That's right. So, I mean, very thought-provoking yeah. pieces of what's going on in the world. Um, and they don't have to be entirely serious. They, uh, they can be on on subjects that are, are just making you think maybe, or making you laugh, um, but also making you think. Yeah, those are excellent, excellent points. And so when Nat, you just said we don't have to be serious, which is true. So you and I both came across a tweet that got thousands of likes and views and um, and has since been deleted, which is very bizarre. But it said that, well, you, you I mean, you know, you came across tweet first. What is yeah, that? I yeah, oh, it says, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but reading's not that deep. It's a hobby and not everyone critically thinks about every book. Some people just 
bias their opinions on whether they vibed with it or not. And that's totally okay. And this really like this went viral, this tweet, which is interesting. Um, people really reacting. I thought most of the responses I saw, and as when I went back to look again today, obviously, as you mentioned, it's deleted, so I can't really see, but people really didn't love someone saying reading's not that deep. Right. Which is, I mean, a weird thing to get upset about. Um, I mean, of course, there's a lot of deep and thought-provoking literature, but there's also a lot of really fluffy pieces that are very enjoyable to just pass the time. I mean, very much like there used to be, I don't know, when we were growing up, I'm just going to age us, but remember there was that divide, like, oh, like there's like reading is smart and TV is not, right? Yeah. Now it's like completely yeah. been changed because TV, obviously, and all of it, like it's fabulous like shows and documentaries can be very provoking thought provoking and very artistic and it was artistic back then too but they had a there was a bias against visual uh representation of the story versus written representation of a story but yeah. i mean like uh, well i mean what do you th do you, what, what's your do you have any guilty reading pleasures you don't no, have to i firmly believe that there should be no guilty reading pleasures and okay. i also think it's a moving target um right. back uh when people started writing novels, the others would say, um, why do you need novels are, are cheap and cheap reading? All we really need is the Bible. Why do you need to read anything but the Bible? And then, you know, it, it just goes on from there. Or why do you need to go to the theater? And, you know, you should just be reading the Bible. And then um, it would be really interesting people. Yeah. Why do you need to watch TV? You should just be reading novels. Why are you playing video games? Like the whole thing. There's always going to be this. It's a bit like people saying what's what's wrong with kids today. Like, we won't go there but um yeah that's actually really true i mean there can be books and sometimes you read a book and you just think okay that was okay like that was okay yeah. I don't sometimes really i get mad if my time has been wasted so that's when i would be like sure. it is a hobby but mm -hmm. i get kind of angry when books waste my time um right. like usually that happens with some of the the popular books i'm thinking of um Gosh, I'm thinking of books by the, the person who wrote Big Little Lies that I've read um, two of her books where I've been furious by the end that I have wasted my time on this book because the endings are so lazy and um, interesting and said, uh, yeah, I, and I, if you ask me, I would rather just watch the TV show Big Little Lies because that actually sets up a beginning, middle end. Um, and it's only yeah. like a, what, a 30 minute episode or something yeah, like that. Fine. So um, here's an interesting question. I, I People talk about this a lot. How many pages into a story or into a book will you give it before you give up? Or do you give up ever? I've been told I don't give up on the books. I don't think I'll you just complain up. my way through it. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's fair. I don't think you give up. I think maybe that's your problem. Mm -hmm. You don't give up on books. That's my problem. I really should start quitting books. I quit pretty quickly. Uh, and I, and I, I didn't used to. I used to really try and like, get through thinking it's just me. I, if I read another 30, 40, 50 pages, I will get into it. And I used to really much be like that. COVID has really changed my reading habits. I feel like my time is very precious. And, mm -hmm. and, and also my attention span is a lot shorter, uh, which is not a great thing, but it's just the way it is at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. So I think I give up a lot faster. Like I, I'm not going to give up maybe for good, but I will try and read 20 pages. If I can't get into the story, I will put it back beside my bed. I yeah. may pick it up again in a few months when I feel like getting back into it, but I will move on to another book and see if another book really pulls me in right away. Yes. Uh, and then if you do get pulled in, that other book just kind of goes by the wayside. 
Exactly. So I think, you know, I, I don't give it, I'm mean, some I, a friend of mine who's chatting with the Ezra said she gives it 50 pages. 50 pages is a serious commitment. By 50 pages, most books are about 300, 350. Mm -hmm. I don't know, 50 pages in, I think I'd probably finish it already because I feel like I've given it enough of my time. Yeah. I but, can't finish a bad audiobook because when I'm reading, I can sort of skim, but in an audiobook, they're saying every word. So sometimes I will speed up the book right. um, to see if that helps. And if that doesn't help, then it's just, then it's, it's amazing. Fun. But sometimes I will go back. I, I, you know, War and Peace, I tried reading when I was like a, a university student. Yep. Could not get into it. All those names. I just couldn't make heads or tails. I tried again later. Couldn't do it. I tried a couple summers ago on a Kindle. And this time it, it kind of stuck. But even sure. so, I, I just kind of started to be like, this is very, these war parts are very boring. So I kind of read the and peace part. Yeah, yeah. You know, like all the relationships and love stories. I got those down. But, you know, don't, don't ask me what happens uh, in all the, the battle scenes. Right. Um, I think I, I probably still read like, like hundreds of pages of battle scenes, but I didn't read like 500 pages of battle scenes, which is what the book seems to include. Right. Um, but my life was very much enriched by reading the book. So. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's yes. that. So, and so, that's so you're talking about books you reread. So that will segue yes. to our final topic for the day, which is rereading the reread. We want to call it the reread, correct? Re yeah. I think we'd love to do a regular thing where we talk about what it means to reread a book that you read um, years ago. And often this might have been a book you were assigned in school yeah. um, that you wouldn't have necessarily chosen. Maybe you hated it. Um, what's it like to reread it later in life? Or conversely, it could be a book you love. You often hear about people saying, I loved this book. And then, you know, like an example is like, oh, I love the Little House on the Prairie books when I was little. And then you go back and you're like, and these books are incredibly racist. Like right. there's stuff that pops out at you, um, yeah. you know, as an adult that maybe you didn't notice when you were a kid. Um but yeah, the, the reread. For me, the number one book on my reread list is um, Rabbit Run by John Updike because I read it when I was like a angry university, you know, mm -hmm. student feminist and still am feminist and angry. But um, but I, I'm willing also like I couldn't I think I, I remember at the time not being able to see any subtlety in it. I just seemed so odd as, as embracing the point of view of the the hero. I mean, it just looked like it's a, it's a 26 year old guy who's married with a kid who decides he can't handle it. And right. now I'm like, oh, OK, maybe uh, as, as an older person who maybe relate to that a little more. I, I'm very curious to see how I feel about that book. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I um, I haven't reread a lot of books. I, I was really inspired to reread 1984 in over the last several months uh, i don't know there's so much in our why <laughs> so much going on right now that made me think are we really living in 1984 because you know it seems like language uh is uh well it seems like we're really struggling with what the meaning of language and uh totalitarian societies and i really thought okay i'm gonna reread it and see so you know what interesting it didn't have as much and I mean, I probably read it the first time when I was in high school. So many, many years ago, um, it's uh, it probably didn't have as much. I remember having more of just discussion on the value of language. But I think that was my interpretation of it. Like I wanted mm -hmm. to really dig deep. Like I almost wanted there to be an like this is Newspeak and this is how it works. And I mean, there was some, you know, there, there was a, a, you know, a character that is constantly rewriting the dictionary so there was interesting aspects like that but I mean it was um you know I'm just thinking if it was it was written today I think there would have been more uh 
it's going to sound bizarre because I love the book, but I still loved it again. But I think there should have been more world building. I mean, we want to see, we want to live in that world and see what it's like because we are kind of living in a world that's not that far from it sometimes. But what I mentioned, uh, I know you and I discussed this earlier, um, which shocked me, which I think wouldn't happen today, is the sex scenes in 1984 were very disturbing um, mm. for me. Now, there was a very, like, fun kind of moment where um, the characters, before they have sex, talk about it. And the female character says that she's slept with so many people and he finds that super hot. Okay, which is kind of fun. I actually laughed at that because obviously it's it's bucking convention at the time and that he thought yeah. that was sexy. Um, but, uh, you know, he did kind of insinuate that the first time he saw her, he was so angry with her because he thought she was a, a party devotee that he wanted to rape her, uh, which really kind of took me aback. And, you know, you wanted to see because obviously, you know, Nancy Ford talks a lot about the disintegration of the family, just the disintegration of like uh, couples and structure. Uh, you wanted to, I think I wanted to see more chemistry. Like mm. what happens? I mean, it's really hard to kill chemistry. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to see not just the, oh, well, we're just willing participants in the act of sex, which they were. So there was no obviously rape scenes, but you know, I think in nowadays you'd want to see like there was they were compelled to break the laws because they were so much strong chemistry that, you know, they mm -hmm. were good spirits. Maybe that's me. Maybe it's be me being romantic. Uh, so, yeah, 1984, I do recommend a reread. I would say it is a thumbs up. We were doing thumbs up and thumbs down as a reread. But I think if it were written today, let's call it 2024. I don't know. Um, it would be a, a bit of a different book. So. Yeah. Uh, the other book, and I, I don't want to, you know, if you want to talk about a book, we talk about the other book, which I, I did read over the last year to my daughter, uh, was Little Women. And, um, and I really hate to disappoint all the, all the Little Women devotees out there, but you know, it was, it was really boring. <laughs> I'm sorry. I read, we got about 130 pages in and it is, I mean, this version has 400 pages, the way that the pages are laid out and 130 pages in, there was almost no plot. And I'm sorry, you would never have a book today that has no plot for 130 pages, right? Mm -hmm. Especially not one that's aimed at a young reader. Well, can you imagine asking a four, your 14, a 14 year old kid right now or a 12 year old kid to read wow. a 400 page book where nothing happens for the first hundred pages? No, it, it just uh, really would not happen there. There, I know my daughter's had that book um, given to her by like several different people and she has great intentions to read it. She's like the movie. Uh, I have not seen her like reading the book. Yeah. So that was, that was the disappointing part. Yeah. I'm so sorry. People who love the book. I mean, I love the idea of the book if that helps. I really do. I just could not finish it. So I did, I gave it in that case, I gave it 130 pages and then I put it away. I'm going to follow your example and start putting down books that I am not thrilled by because life is too short. Life is too short. Yes. Do not and do it. Do not do it. There are always other books to read. And also maybe I'm going to like, I'll try rereading new books instead of doing what I normally do, which is just reread Jane Austen books. Um, I should really branch out in my rereading. No, you know, you, well, that's, that's what makes you you. It's my comfort read. 
it's your comfort read and that's okay. And Jane Austen, you know, is, is, you know, is great. Um, yes, I said, she's great. She's great. Um, okay, great. So, um, I think that that wraps up our topics for today. So next week we will tackle another reread uh, and we will see what else is happening in the news. And again, don't forget to send us your stories, a fiction and nonfiction, big ideas or, you know, short fiction ideas. And uh, we look forward to reading your words. Uh, and remember reading is not to be serious, but it really can be. So we'll flip a coin on that one. All right. Well, thank you. everyone. Thanks, Sue. And Thanks, we will Sue. be here again next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Bye.